I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Buenos dias. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Is this going to turn into a bilingual podcast? No. <clears throat> it's also bilingual. It's probably more than bilingual. Well, yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> well, Greek. We don't talk about Hebrew too much yet. No. Not yet. I don't speak in those languages either. No. No. It involves multiple languages, though. Yeah. Anyway. Today is the big day. It's the season finale of Paul's. My goodness. <laughs> All our questions are finally going to be answered. Is that right? I don't know that I've read this chapter. No cliffhangers. <laughs> don't tell me that. There's probably going to be a cliffhanger. Well, that's because all season finales are seem to be somewhat disappointing. Have you ever seen a season finale saying, where you're like, oh. Are you saying well, that good. the Bible's disappointing? No, I'm saying <laughs> just when. Gotcha. There's always questions that you have you're for right. how it continues and, to go. Um, yeah, we said that yesterday. We're going to not know everything about Paul from the book of Acts. We learn a lot of other things through historical documents and the other books he wrote. So this is the last chapter of Acts, though. The last thing that. Luke correct, mm-hmm. wrote about their journeys. So let's see how it ends and then what other questions we come up with. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to to say or preface before we jump in? Something interesting about <coughs> Luke. I don't know if I've said this before, but it's possible. I think I said this earlier that he interviewed many people for his accounts because he was not one of the disciples. And... It's highly possible that because his story about Jesus' birth is very different than the other, there's a lot more detail in it. That you're, he you're talking about in the book of Luke. In the book of yeah. Luke itself. Mm-hmm. That he interviewed Mary. Mm-hmm. And Mary, it is generally thought, lived with John, who Jesus on the cross said, Mother... or woman, this is your son, so on and so forth, that they moved to Ephesus and lived there. John and his new mother, Mary. And his new mother, Mary. So it could be that Luke was hanging out in Ephesus for a while. We do hear about him traveling a bit with, Mm -hmm. when we get into the I statements, going around there. So maybe he was in Ephesus for a while, but just... At least for me, normally when I think about the disciples, I think about everything always happening just in Israel. And it's pretty rare that someone went out to these other places. But as soon as the temple curtain ripped in two when Jesus died on the cross, you do have many prominent disciples living outside of Jerusalem, even though the Jerusalem council is there itself. Hmm. So. Interesting. Maybe. I feel like you're more awake than me this morning. <sighs> Just peppy. <laughs> it's exciting. Exciting day. Finishing Acts. All right. Then let's start reading. Acts chapter 28. Here you go. Ashore on Malta. Once safely on shore, we found out the island was called Malta. 
The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Um, should I, like, recap what we read yesterday in case someone missed an episode? Sure. They well, were... they got shipwrecked. Well, there. That's the recap. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they were taking Paul to Rome, and they had trouble, and they got shipwrecked. And they just got ashore this island, so that's why. Sorry, normally I recap. I'm out of it today. I'm having, like, an allergy thing, and you might hear that in my voice. That I sound different, but that's just because I'm trying to get over this dust in the air or whatever's going on with me. So you I don't sound different. I Maybe your hearing is bad. Okay, great. Just, I mean, more things wrong with me. <laughs> okay. Paranoid. Anyway, <laughs> he just, they just all, he, a group of what, two, what was it, 276 people all got shipwrecked. And so that's where we're at. The islanders were not expect. They didn't land some. They didn't just land somewhere. They were shipwrecked. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to say that. Okay, they built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other. This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. All right, I have some questions. Sure. Where is Malta? Is this a part of the Roman... Malta is directly south of Italy. Okay. So you think of the peninsula. Just go directly south. Yeah. And they're not too far away. I was looking at a map at some point. Anyway. (laughs) Not too far is a pretty good gauge of distance. And... So what, it just... I don't know. It says the islanders showed us this... And then down in my notes, it says, literally, barbarians. All non-Greek-speaking people were called this by Greeks. Far from being uncivilized, they were Phoenician in ancestry and used Phoenician dialect, but were thoroughly Romanized. And it goes on with some more notes. I don't want to read the whole thing. By the way, I'm reading my notes from my self-study Bible. Um, So anyway, just weird that they didn't say, like, the residents of Malta or the Maltans or whatever, you know, they say whenever they go to a different city, it's like islanders. And then it's sort of making them sound superstitious. And um, so I just kind of was getting this like tribal vibe. Well, I think they are tribal. They're on this little island in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And the Phoenicians had, Phoenicia was north of kind of where Paul's church was in Antioch. It would be around Tyre and Sidon in the land of Israel. And Phoenicia might have had some of its roots going back to Babylon as well. But Hmm. Phoenicians are known for a couple things. One of being seafaring people. They're very good at building boats. 
Uh, they're excellent traders. And then the big thing that many people know the Phoenicians for is their alphabet. That their writing style is has the remnants of the characters that we use currently in our Western mm-hmm. style of writing of alphabets versus the Sanskrit or the characters or things of the East. So they they would have been on this island and it could be that Rome really had no use for this little island. So if people want to be there and do their thing, they really pose no threat to them. So. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm not... I was just wondering, like, what kind of people these people are because... They sound a little superstitious, and... Yeah, I don't think they're like the other people on, like, Gilligan's Island, you know, when you think of, like, the locals there. (laughs) Okay. Well, no. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like, it's so primitive. Yeah. They probably would have just been people that spoke a different language. So the Romans would call them barbarians. It's like the same way that uh, the Christians or the Israelites would call everyone that's not an Israelite a pagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now pagan has this pretty negative connotation. Sure. And okay. I guess then it did too, but it, you know, it's just basically separate from our group. All right. So they think he's a god... Got bit by a snake. Fun. Okay, here we are, verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Great. So. All good things. All good things. I don't have any questions about this. And maybe, like, a comment, but I'm going to save it. I can't believe you don't have any comments about the snakes earlier. What do you want me to say? It's not surprising that someone get bit by a snake on an island. What okay. what questions would you have had if you didn't already know all the answers? <laughs> Maybe I'm just being un smarty pants. Maybe. But there are other Christian churches today that still oh. handle snakes okay. as kind of a sign of faith because they look at uh, verses... Oh, yeah. And, like, at the end of Mark, there's that's right, a couple that's right. verses at the end of Mark that some manuscripts don't complain, or include complain. <laughs> don't include, and others do include. And the one that says, like, one of the gifts that God, the Holy Spirit will give you is handling sn- yes. snakes. So, These are the signs that of those who accompany in my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in your tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, they will drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them, they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Mm-hmm. So, these are gifts 
that, according to these verses, um, Holy Spirit would give to some of the disciples or these followers. And then we believe, we or we, I guess we don't necessarily believe that those things all still happen. Yeah, there were signs in the early church as we kind of went over in Acts 2 about speaking in tongues that Wait. and well throughout the book of Acts that there were certain but miracles that's not that to people say did that if you believe today one of those things you just listed you'll have one of those gifts you'll either be healing people or speaking in tongues or grabbing snakes like we have faith regardless if we have those specific gifts yeah the the apostle paul talks about that i believe it's in corinthians and speaking in tongues he's like i would much rather say five intelligible words than a thousand speaking in tongues Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna pick out a gift that Mm -hmm. you would have to serve god i would much rather be able to tell people about jesus rather than be able to pick up deadly snakes and not get poisoned by them. I mean, which really helps the kingdom of God more? Sure. At that time, though, it was a sign. Like, you just should... like, you know, healing people. Like, that they really have power that no one else has, like, because they believe in God. Now, those signs are pretty much, would you say, gone? I don't want to misspeak here and say that. If you're do you know, claiming tongues or doing these things that, you know, those aren't real anymore. I mean, are yeah, we not? never wanna, we do not wanna know. limit the power of God okay. or the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that He could still give to the church. But He However, doesn't promise to continue doing that to this not, day. No. Okay. And it doesn't. When a church says that you need to have one of these gifts in order to prove your faith. They are not telling you the truth. This is, it's so terrible for someone to put a limitation on your faith or a qualifier for your faith in one of these ways. But at this time, I'm trying to, I don't have a timeline. When Mark was written and when these people would be in Malta, was was it understood that like, if you're handling snakes, then you are you have the special gift of the Holy Spirit, or is that just kind of like they they just think it's amazing that he touched this poisonous or well what they believe to be yeah a the local viper. people saw it they would have known the snake it bit them and they probably all well it says they thought to themselves oh he's dead mm-hmm. he's gonna fall over or it's gonna swell up and nothing happened to him. So they believe that he somehow well, was immune. Maybe some of the people on the boat, his fellow prisoners, or the centurion, or any of the dudes just on the boat would have seen it and kind of associated that with, like, wow, he really is telling the truth. They still have to take him to Rome, but they they might be believing now. Yeah, and it would have been something to add to the fact that this guy just told us that none of us were going to die, and none of us died. Yeah. So I think it adds to the case rather than... I mean, the one thing that should confirm our faith is 
Jesus rising from the dead, not watching someone get bit by a snake and live. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus, that was one of the temptations that the devil gave to Jesus. Hey, put the Lord your God to the test. Jump off this high cliff or uh, top of the temple. And, you know, because, oh, he's going to send his angels concerning you. Or New Testament version of that. Oh, snakes will bite you and you won't get sick. Oh, drink some poison. See if God really loves you and wants you to be around here. We don't do things like that. We don't test don't our God to, to see, do you really love me? Are you going to do this? I mean... Of course he loves you. He gave his son to die on the cross for you. Mm-hmm. So. All right. So All right. did I ask the question you wanted me to ask? Yes, thank you. And then you answered it the way you'd like to. Yeah, that was a very <laughs> typical pastor Bible class thing. <laughs> Lead me into Does the- anyone have a question about this? Because mm-hmm. I prepared 10 minutes on it. Nobody did. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm that sorry. Was silly. That was silly. I'm sorry. I right. just have made that mistake before, and I, yeah. I'm trying to be better. So, okay. okay. All right. So, arrival at Rome, verse eleven. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day the south wind came up and on the following day we reached Putoli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. All right, just a little description of the journey with a bunch of names I probably butchered. And, uh, yeah, so it doesn't mention that that one centurion's still with them, but I'm assuming he's still being watched by someone when he says we did this then we saw the brothers and we stayed with these people it's not just like paul is journeying to rome by himself it's a group of people possibly Mm -hmm. soldiers still and then when he gets to rome paul's allowed to live by himself with a soldier so it's like house arrest again right yeah okay and well i don't want to talk about this section too much i want to keep going I want to mention one real little thing I just learned oh, going learned through this. Something? I did. Great. The Castor and Pollux okay. were the twin sons of, according to Greek myth or Roman mythology, were the twin sons in Zeus and Leda. Leda was the moon god, and they are often associated with the constellation Gemini being these twins Mm -hmm. and their area I guess of power in this mythology or superstition was that they were saviors in all kinds of distress particularly protectors of mariners so that's why they would have been on the front of the ship kind of the Roman patron saints of mariners Thank you. 
I learned it. I thought it was interesting. No, I'm not not interested. I'm just oh. more interested in, in the reading Bible. about the Bible. Okay. <laughs> <Snail>. Some people. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're almost there. Paul preaches at Rome under guard. Um, verse 17. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime of deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was, not, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Hmm. What? What does that mean? So he's saying... He's saying, I was found not guilty, but the Jews objected. So Mm -hmm. basically saying... They wouldn't give up, so I had to appeal to Caesar. But then he says, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. So he doesn't have, like, a counterclaim. Right, he's not countersuing them. He's not hoping that someone goes to punish the Jews. Yeah, he doesn't want them to be punished or whatever, silence themselves. He wants to save them. What is this verse 20? It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound in this chain. It's because he wants Israel to continue to be a nation that is saved by God. So he wants people to continue to believe in the true God. He believes that true God is a part of the Trinity. Not Paul, I shouldn't say it that way. Trinity is a whole complex, but Jesus Christ being a person of the Trinity suffered and died on the cross, and is the same God that the Israelites were worshiping. So he hopes that all come to the same faith, rather than trying to appeal to Rome and saying, those Jews are mean, they have a false religion, someone go destroy them. That's not at all what he wants. All right, I see that. Okay, that makes sense. It just didn't read right to me. Maybe I didn't read it right, but anyway, carrying on. Verse 21, they replied, we have, not, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that the people everywhere are talking against the sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. <clears throat> Excuse me. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to to your forefathers when he said through the prophet Isaiah, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. 
Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I do have a lot of questions. Okay. All right. So he calls the Jews. Oh, Jews. What? Stop it. (laughs) Calls the Jews together. The ones who live in Rome. But they haven't heard anything about this. They don't know he's coming. Well, they just haven't heard any they haven't received letters from the Jewish people and maybe the Jewish people don't have a strong enough case against him so they don't want the word to get out you know but when he was traveling those other cities excuse me there was those groups that would like go from city to city and follow Paul Mm -hmm. and say bad things about him or spread lies about him it's just interesting that he goes all the way to Rome and nobody like sent a letter like Paul's on his way he said this he's doing this he's such a troublemaker you guys have to help us out and also spread these lies about him make sure we shut him down like there's not a smear campaign against him you know or it just kind of fizzled out maybe over time but it doesn't reach the Jews in Rome yeah I wonder if they thought that because there was a sentiment against Paul in Macedonia, entire Lystran Derby, and in Ephesus where he got driven out, and, you know, all of these areas that they just assumed that it had continued on in that direction as so well. So they didn't feel like they needed to to corroborate their story because they thought that they maybe thought that everyone hated him or another possibility is yeah he's living with a soldier under house arrest then they the jews arrange to meet him he preaches to them and some of them are listening and then some aren't don't really like it and they disagreed among themselves. So some people kind of are turning to his side. Some people aren't. But then mm-hmm. it says they began to leave. So I don't know if this is all the people or just the people who didn't agree with him. After he made this statement um, preaching from Isaiah about how you go to the people, um, go to this people, meaning the Israelites, and they won't understand. Their hearts will be calloused. All this stuff. And then some people leave. So is that some of them leave or all of them get turned off by this message? I think it's some of them. Jesus said the same thing. It's recorded in Matthew and Mark about the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. That basically they hear the message of Jesus. It makes sense logically, but they choose to be quiet about it. And then in verse 28... Uh, he says that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. So that message is also 
in a lot of other places. I think we even read about it in Acts earlier. But so that would be kind of I feel like that would even be a turn off for the people who did believe in him, the Jew the Jews who were kind of like, Oh yeah, he's got a lot of good points. I can see where he's coming from. But then when he says this stuff about the Gentiles, that's a really big stumbling block for them. And I could see all of them leaving. But then, all right, so how it all ends. For two years, he stayed in a rented house. So how's he paying rent? Is he working? He allowed to work? Is he on work release? He might have had some friends. The government paying for it because he's technically a prisoner. Well, he would have already uh, written his letter to Rome. He's in Rome. Yes. He's going to write a letter to them while he's there? No, he would have... The letter to the Romans, which is going to come up, he would have written before he got to Rome. Okay. So he would have had a uh, congregation there okay. that could have supported him while he was there. And if he's preaching to them, if they're able to go there, they probably supported him. So in verse 30, when it says he rented his own house and welcomed people to see him, uh, is he still have that soldier living with him? Is he still in house arrest or is this like all over? Or does he go to trial? Like, how does it all end? So there are a couple of different theories about what happened to Paul after this. Excuse me again. Sorry. One of them is that eventually he was executed uh, in Rome. I think that is the, I should look that up, the the typical understanding of what happened, that all of the, there are stories for how every one of Jesus' apostles was martyred in some way. Mm-hmm. The only one that is said to have lived a life and die a natural death would be John the Apostle. But the other one is that Paul left and went to Spain so that and there is well the word of God was spread that far and he always wanted to go to Tarshish or Tarsus and Tarsus isn't that where he was born what am I thinking Tarshish Tarshish I don't know Just anyway he goes to Spain that's the point that's one of the theories you're that's seeing. one of the theories so one it says he's he boldly and without hindrance preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's he's basically allowed freedom in Rome until whatever happens next, which we don't <clears throat> know for sure. Yeah, there is one the theory is that he was he died in Rome and was put to death by Nero. So you're saying that we in the Bible it does not tell us exactly how Paul it does not. died. So we are relying on other sources mm-hmm. then. Okay. But in the... Yeah, in 67 through 70, basically Nero is persecuting the Christians heavily in Rome. And if Paul is the... one of the leaders there, he easily could have put him to death there. So we don't know, but... We'll read a lot more of his letters from earlier on in his life. And well, yeah. We, we will. 
maybe we'll we'll we have to decide which book we're doing next. That's true. We'll figure it out. We'll we could start talking about if we wanted to go on another tangent, why Luke didn't write about the end of Paul's life. Mm. Like, why didn't he, when he wrote this book, and did he know the end and he didn't include it because God said it's not important, or was this written before he actually died? Or Luke died. Or Luke died. Or he's just like, I gotta get this out because Paul's finally in prison. Someone's got to know about his story because people aren't going around talking to people. But then you'd think he'd still say he preached freely and without hindrance until he was arrested or until he went to jail. It just sort of seems to end on like a happy, happy note that he did everything he wanted and lived on his own and no well, nobody hindered the, him you know this is not luke i mean it's the holy spirit writing through luke right and maybe it was maybe the holy spirit wants us to end on a level of optimism that even through persecution and troubles and hardship that the church was growing the church was growing and he was protecting his people mm-hmm. so I mean, All we right. can make it in on a sad note, but I think I everyone's want... <laughs> fine. I'm just curious because, you know, people like to know how it really ends. And, you know, obviously people have a, I don't want to say a fascination with death, but people are interested. How did he die? How did these apostles die? And, you know, we do have all these traditions and stories like this person was crucified. This was was crucified upside down this person you know like everyone's got their little martyrdom story and paul's got this detailed account of he stopped here for three days he stopped here for seven days and then we just don't hear the last details which you're right why why we don't know this is what the holy spirit wants us to know is that the church grew that's the important Mm -hmm. part of the whole thing yeah so not important how they died even though i am curious but you just have to keep well, on living without knowing there are some people whose death serves as a very strong witness to their faith and their their conviction mm-hmm. but for whatever reason the holy spirit just talks about his his life as being the most important thing right Okay, well, that's the end of Acts. And if you've listened to the whole book with us, thank you for getting up or whenever you listen to this. You might be listening to it later in the day. Um, and I hope it helped you get a better view of Paul's life and journeys. And, yeah, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the no. book of Acts? No, we'll In talk conclusion. more about Paul when we, whenever we get to the other books of the, or letters of the New Testament. But otherwise, via con Dios. <sighs> Got to bookend the whole thing. No, you don't have to. What does via con Dios mean? Go with God. Oh, okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Say it again. 
via Condios. Scooby-Dooby-Dooby-Doo-Wop. Pastor Ran, Laura, wake up.